So I want to share with you today, finding peace in the midst of the storm. When we started, when we went through COVID, I, I did a series for about five weeks on peace. I mean, it was a time of really tremendous turmoil, but I want to talk to you about today, just finding peace in the midst of the storm. We're going to go to John chapter 16, 33. You can stand with me for the reading of the word, if you would like. By the way, you, you, somebody said this to me on Wednesday. You know, you don't have to, we, we encourage you to stand during worship, but you don't have to. You know, you're not, we're not forcing you to. But some people have bad backs, and God, faith's looking at me, and faith, you deal with your, your hips. And, but if you're not feeling well, Nellie, it's okay to sit. Okay, God bless you, my sister. And you come in here, and maybe you got, you know, you're not feeling well, or you got a knee, knee problem, back, it's okay. It's okay. Um, we, um, we're not here to be conformists, Okay. We love when we stand and we worship the Lord. But again, if you're not feeling well, that you can sit. So it's standing for the reading of the word. John 16, 33. The word of our Lord. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What is that? Does that not summarize it all, right? We're in this world of tribulation, of trials, of problems. But he said that in me you will have peace. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, you know, this is a lesson, Lord God, that we all need to hear. This is a lesson we all need to receive, Lord God. Truly, we need to bite into it, chew on it, Lord, swallow it, digest it, and assimilate it into our lives. And I pray, Lord God, this morning that we would all do that. And Lord God, we would enjoy the peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, each and every day in a world that's absolutely crazy. For in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. So, Jesus, you know, just he never, I say this all the time, he never pulled punches. He didn't sugarcoat this thing. Oh, listen, you know, come to the Lord and everything's going to be great, right? Your breath is never going to smell, right? You're going to be happy all the time. They're going to find the love of your life. You're going to become rich. It's, it's not his message. He said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. In this world, you'll have problems. My coach and friend, John Maxwell, and I'll say it to you, John Maxwell says, I've got problems you've got problems, all God's children got problems. Isn't that true? And after church, uh, we're all going to hold hands and we can sing Kumbaya and, um, and feel good that we all have problems, right? But we have problems. You ever hear that song, Trouble? Remember that song, Trouble? Trouble, 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 trouble. That's right. right? We, we, we have trouble at times. And there have been a whole lot of it lately. And look at this, you know, COVID. We're still dealing with it. Got to wear masks. Don't have to wear masks. Got to wear two masks. Got to wear three masks. Got to get vaccinated. You got to receive that, right, all the additional shots. I mean, it's just... And we, we had some people very dear to us go home to be with the Lord. Very painful. You look at inflation, right? An economy that's absolutely out of control. And they say it's at 8.7%. I want to tell you, it's more like 15%. And a gasoline's at 50%, right? Actually, gasoline's at 100%. When you think about it, it was $2.50, and now it's at uh, $5. It's doubled. And uh, you go in there, and you're looking at, you know, buying uh, chopped meat or, you know, vegetables, whatever. It's, uh, it's nuts. Just a few summers ago, all the riots. This country was on fire. You had 470 riots that, um, that summer. And I'll tell you, I think right now, you, we're on the verge of seeing it again. It's going to be another summer of love, as the um, mayor of, I believe it was, Portland said. 
the summer of love. There, there was a lot, of, a lot of love. We look, we look at things happening in our country, natural disasters. And uh, sometimes I tell you, I look, I look at the United States, it's like the, the plagues of Pharaoh. You got tornadoes, you got floods, you got wildfires, you got hurricanes, you got earthquakes. You got a lot of these things that are literally happening in the same time all across the country. You have the, one of the worst droughts right now that's going to, again, affect the crop in uh, the Midwest and uh, the Southwest. And, uh, and while, again, you have this drought, you have wildfires going on in California and Colorado and, you know, in Oregon. And then um, you have rains that are flooding parts of the Northeast and uh, the South. But it's, it, it's just crazy. Crime. Looting. Folks, in certain parts of the country, we could go on a shopping spree today and you can steal up to $900 worth of stuff. Don't go over 900 I think if you go over 900 it's a felony. If it's under $900, you get to keep the stuff and you need to walk away, which is crazy. Good is evil and evil is good. You see violence. Mostly vulnerable people walking down the street. I mean, in, in New York, the attacks on and Asian women, but older folks, women... And just violently, I mean, you see these, these things. I mean, I saw a guy the other day, he's chasing this guy down the road with a knife as the guy's backpedaling, running into traffic. But you see these things, and again, just, just violence. And, and again, if you were to defend yourself against a person like this, and you're the one who's going to go to jail. They could cut you, shoot you, and stab you. And uh, they'll go before the judge, and he's going to let them out. But if you defend yourself against them, maybe take them out then you're going to go to jail. Again, it's just in, in, in insanity. And again, just since this, not the release that occurred, the official release from the Supreme Court yesterday, but the release that was um, given, that very shady and, uh, you know, I mean, very, very sad, sad story what's going on in the country. But um, they released that information about R.V. Wade and the decision. There have been 27 pro-life centers across the country that have been bombed. These are just people that want to, they want to give the person an opportunity to bring their baby to term and have a baby. That's all they do. And they're burning down their buildings. The crazy stuff going on globally, Iran, North Korea, Ukraine, Russia, China, so you, you start looking at this stuff, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, because I just really brought you down. I want to bring you up now. But I just wanted to be, be, just if anybody is in here and is delusional and thinking, hey, everything's fine, everything's perfect, I just wanted to help you to get your head out of the sand or any other place it might be so that you could just really know what's going on. Because, it, you know, with all this stuff going on, I mean, it, could just, it, could just, it, it just blows your mind. So how do you deal with it? And, um, I don't know, maybe you can go into a bubble. You can become a bubble boy. You ever see Seinfeld, the bubble boy? <laughs> or maybe you can find a, a box somewhere that you could hide away in. Or maybe you could just drink it away. Alcohol sales are up 28% just in the last two years, and online sales are up 48%. I don't think you can order alcohol online in New Jersey, right? I think we're us, Michigan, Utah. Can you? I just, I know you go to the store, but 
just alcohol sales way up. People just, you know, again, drinking away. What about illegal and legal medications? People just trying to medicate themselves. Or maybe just trying to entertain themselves. Right? Entertain themselves. I mean, you watch, you know, hours and hours of Netflix, hours and hours of Amazon Prime, hours and hours. I mean, you, Yahoo, Yoohoo, Yeehoo, and, 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 and Doku, right? I don't know how many other of those. There's so many different ways you can entertain yourself today and just withdraw completely from reality. <clears throat> so, what I want to share with you is something that I believe, I want to say, I have found it to be pragmatic. Do you understand? When, when something is pragmatic, it's sensible, it's realistic, it's not based upon theory. It's essentially something that's based upon practice. And I get a picture there of, of the concept of being pragmatic. It would not be pragmatic to try to cross the Atlantic Ocean in your car. Okay? That would not be pragmatic. But um, it is pragmatic, actually, where the check is, to fly from Newark Airport, right, to, say, you know, London, that's the concept of me. So I'm going, to share, I'm going to share some things with you that are pragmatic. You know, this, I'm always looking, you know, outside of my, my ministry, I have a, a business where I, I coach. I coach a lot of executives, and I don't like to operate on theory. I like to operate on, again, things that are truly pragmatic that you can put into practice. We know they work. Some of you, you know, you, you, train, you train in fitness. There's a whole lot of things that are out there, books and things that you find online that don't work. Diets, realize, you know, I, I tell most people, diets don't work. They don't, they don't work. There's so 98% of people who go on a diet basically will gain the weight back within about a year. I would say diets don't work. They never have, they never will, and they never do. Behavioral change works. Lifestyle change works. So, um, you know, I'm going to go on Keto, I'm, I'm going to go on, you know, Atkins, I'm going to go on Pritikin. They'll go on it, they'll lose weight, they're going to get it back. Because it, it really, again, it is not pragmatic. And I've studied the martial arts, and there are things that work. In fact, I'll tell you this. You look at studies, most martial arts, when people are attacked by somebody, they don't work. And uh, traditional martial arts fail all the time in cases of somebody being attacked by a, another maniac. And, uh, but there are things that do work. And um, I think that, again, it's, it's the concept of being pragmatic. So I'm going to share with you today about peace. It is, it is something that is extremely pragmatic. I want to give you one more thing before I, I dig in here. And that is, you get out of it what you put into it. And that's true of everything in life, right? Everything in life, no matter what it is, your relationship with God, your marriage, your family, your children, your career, you get out of it always what you put into it. If most people would just learn that lesson, they would find that they will have much more success. So it, it tells us in Colossians chapter 3, 23 through 24, and whatever you do, do it heartily. Right, whatever you do, do it heartily. So what I'm going to share with you today, you've got to really put your heart into it. You've got you to have passion. There's got to be a level of intensity of what I'm going to share with you because if, if you do it half-heartedly, if you do it in a flaky manner, if you say, oh yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to practice this you know, tomorrow, but you're not going to practice it the next week, and then you're going to pick it up again on Sunday, it's really not going to work for you. Whatever you do, do it heartily, right? with your heart. I, I, I personally believe there's nothing worth doing that you're not going to do with your heart. I mean, if, you, if I'm going to do something half-heartedly, I'm not going to do it. It's a waste of my time. I will not do things 
in a, in a half-hearted way. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm nuts. I just, I, I just, I'm not going to waste my time with it. And he says, as to the Lord and not to man, doing it unto the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward, right? When you do things heartily, there will always be a reward. A reward. When you do things heartily unto the Lord, you're going to receive a reward. A reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So just to enter into what we're going to talk about here today, you've got to enter into it with a level of passion, with a level of, of intensity, with a level of consistency. And you will reap, again, this blessing of peace in the midst of a storm. So the first thing is peace and stillness. Psalm chapter 46, verses 8 through 11, right? I'm, thinking, I'm sorry, I'm going to read 10 and 11 here. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. That's a little mark that you have in um, Hebrew music. But if you know Psalm 46, it's written in the midst of storms, right? The entire psalm. The waters are raging. The nations of the world are warring. The winds are blowing. There's, there's chaos. There's confusion all around. That's, that's Psalm 46. And David. David's a warrior. He's a warrior, poet, king. What does he say? In the midst of it all, be still and know that I am God. In the midst of disturbia. <laughs> because that's where we are right now, folks, at this juncture of history. We are in disturbia. Turn on the news, right? Pick up a newspaper if you can find one. You know, go on the internet. It's, it's, it's just, it's disturbing. And in the midst of disturbia, be still and know that I am God. So it, it, involves, it involves two things here, stillness. One is you've got to tune out the world. You've got to tune out the noise. You've got to tune out the, the voices. You've got to tune out the blah, 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 blah. And you've got to even tune out what's going on in your brain. Because what happens is we get, we get so revved up. In fact, my, my daughter Chrissy is here with us. Uh, she was sharing last night that she was, uh, she had done some research. She was talking to this woman about how little kids get addicted to their iPhones and how the iPhone, basically, the kids, when they're, they're watching it over and over and over again, it basically is producing neurotransmitters in the brain that when they put the phone down, there's nothing that can compare with holding that phone in front of them, and they're addicted to it. You, 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 you have kids. You have kids that have iPads. You have kids that have iPhones. You can see them. They, they, they have a hard time putting it down. When they put it down, they get angry. It's like put down that bottle of alcohol or put down those pills. People get angry. Well, they're addicted to it because the brain is just firing. Well, we get addicted to all of this, whether, whether it's good or bad. We get addicted to the news cycle we get addicted to all of this disturbia, and then our brains are firing. Now, when we shut it off, what happens? It's still going on in our brain. So not only do you need to, to shut it off, 
of what's coming from the outside, right? You, you need to, hey, there's a time you need to put that thing down. There's a, there's a time maybe that you need to do that with your computer. You know, there's a time to turn off the television. And that's to tune out. And then to tune in. To tune in to God. Go to a quiet place. Do you have a quiet time? We have, I've shared this many times with you, my wife, we have a, a quiet time every morning for a few hours. We just go to our, our quiet place where there is, you know, I mean, it's, in these mornings, incredible. You can go sit outside and the skies are blue. You know, June air is kind of crisp and cool in the morning. The birds are, are tweeting and singing. And uh, it's just a, a quiet time where you can just, you could be alone with God with no distractions. Well, you can be still and know that he's God. You can be in his presence. You can sing to him a song from your lips. You can talk to him from your heart. And you can meditate on his word and just be still with him. We need a time each day for stillness. To be still and know that he is God. And you know, again, who said it? A man who was, I mean, David. <laughs> you talk about a winner. Right? There's a few stupid things he did. And I guess that's true of every one of us in our lives. But he was a, a, a champion, a king. He, he was rich and provided all the, the funds for the building of the temple. He was, a, he was a poet. The most famous song that has ever been written. It's not my way by Frank Sinatra. All the Italians are very disappointed here. Nor is it stairway to heaven for all the rock nuts. What is the greatest song that has ever been written? Psalm 23. And he wrote more than half of them. So he's a poet. He's, he's, he's a mystic, but yet he's a warrior. Right? He, he, he's a poet, and yet he's a king. And he understood this. He understood the outward life, folks. He understood what it is to, to be in battle. He understood what it is to be a leader. But he understood what it is to be still and know that he's God. And we need that. It, it will, this, this world will eat away at your body, it will eat away at your mind, and it will eat away at your spirit if you let it. And it's so important that, you, again, you find time to be still. Number two, peace through simplicity. So in Psalm 131, verses 1 through 3, Lord, my heart is not haughty, again, David, nor my eyes lofty, Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. That's pretty incredible that a king would say that. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. I'll tell you, boy, did this passage become a reality to me in the last few days. Because we have, I have all my kids with me and my grandkids, but little Charlotte is about three months, little Nathaniel is two months, and you know, they start crying, and you can't, you can't, right, come, I, well, you know, you can't control, but then as soon as they're weaned, right, it's like, bang! <laughs> as soon as they're weaned, they're calm. And I look at, I look at again what David is saying, I, I don't, I don't just concern myself with a whole lot of things. 
like a weaned child, I just quiet my soul. It's simplicity. Now, somebody, I don't know who it was, who said this simplicity is the trademark of genius. We have a tendency as human beings to overcomplicate everything. That's one of the major issues, I think, going on with our, with our country right now. We have overcomplicated everything. Have you ever looked at tax law? I think that now there's something like 60,000 tax laws on the books. Are you kidding? The accountants don't even understand it. But we, just, we, we have become a people of just overcomplicated life. We overcomplicate relationships. We overcomplicate our relationship with God. That's what religion is. If you really understand, if you look at the scriptures in Jesus' conflict with the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, they had overcomplicated and they turned it into a religion. It was meant to be a relationship with God. It became nothing more than rules and regulations and routine when it was meant to be a relationship. So, so David, again, here, he, he's, he's simplifying. And he's simplifying the relationship with God like a weaned child just resting in your arms. All these other things, they're, you know, they're, they're too profound with me. And you've heard, you've heard the, the acronym KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. That's a, simplify. Simplify your relationship with Jesus. You know, my, my relationship, you want to give you my relationship with Jesus in a nutshell? This it's breakfast with him every morning. I've shared this from John chapter 21, breakfast with Jesus. He met them on the Sea of Galilee after he was raised from the dead. And he called them in and he said, come. And he cooked some fish for them and he, he had breakfast with them. Now, breakfast with Jesus, I'm not eating. I drink some little cup of coffee. But I just have a quiet time with the Lord. And I read his word. And I talk to him and I pray. I have God kind of giving my marching orders for the day. I have him take a look at my life. Maybe there's some things that I need to confess that I need to correct. But I have breakfast, and that is the most important part of my day. And I don't miss that. I don't miss it no matter what. I don't think, I, I, I don't think I've missed it in 30 years. Just a very simple time. It's, it's relationship, though. It's not me going in there with a bunch of rules and regulations. And it's just relationship, communing with God. He's alive. He's a person. And then the, the, the second thing is just going through my day with an awareness of God's presence. That's the simplicity of my walk with Jesus. And I really sometimes don't do well with this. It's amazing how I could forget Him. It's amazing how I can get caught up doing something and not be thinking about Him. And um, I keep working on it, though developing an awareness of the presence of God that no matter where I go, He's with me. That He will never leave me or forsake me. And I can be, you know, look, I, I could be driving down the road. It could be, again, in, in prayer. It could be preparing a sermon. It could be working and coaching people, counseling people. Uh, it could be training in the, in the gym or in the dojo. But there's a presence. His presence is there. And that's the simplicity. That, really, that's the simplicity of my walk. Is it's breakfast with Jesus. Intense time. I know he's there at breakfast. <laughs> but then as I go through the day, trying to cultivate that awareness of his presence, no matter where I am. Simplicity. Number three. Peace one day at a time. You've heard this before, right? 
Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 34, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day is its own trouble. I say three Jesus facts. Here's one. You can only live one day at a time. If you could show me how you can live multiple days at a time, we could probably turn that into a, a, a multi-billion dollar right, endeavor. But you can only live one day at a time. You can't live yesterday today, nor can you live tomorrow today, and that's a fact of life. If you practice that great truth by just living one day at a time, you're going to find that you're going to enjoy a much greater peace. But if you're living looking back, and maybe looking back at the regrets of yesterday or the fears of tomorrow, you're going to find it just robs you. It robs you of your peace. The second Jesus fact, our Heavenly Father knows what we need. We're not pagans who don't know God. We're not not pagans who don't believe in God. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who has compassion for us. We have a God who cares for us. And And he calls us to rest, to rest in his hand, to rest in the palm of his hand, and to trust. And there's peace when we do that. And then the third Jesus fact here, priorities. Priorities lead to peace. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. You get your priorities in order. There is no question that there is a peace that comes from when we have our priorities in order. We're doing what we need to do, and then the things that we cannot control, we leave the rest to God. And there are things that every day I can control. But then there are things that I can't control. And there are things going on all over our world that I can't control. And I I can't control inflation. I, I can't control people losing their minds and, you know, burning buildings down and hurting people. I can't control what's going on in the Ukraine, what's going on with China and with Taiwan. I can't control the little man in Korea who keeps threatening that he's going to drop a nuke on the United States. I can't control those things. But I can control what's in my sphere of control. And that's called the locus of control. Have you heard the locus of control? People who tend to be in places of chaos, they lack peace, they lack joy, they lack happiness. They're people who feel that there are all kinds of things that are out of control. All these loose ends, and there's all this stress that causes it. They're out of what's called the locus of control. If you are in the locus of control, and I, I, I repeat this over and over and over again to people, hedge fund managers who right now, they've lost more hair in the last month than I lost in the last 20 years. And just again, just bringing them back to the locus of control. You need to come back to the locus of control. Control what you can control. Because you can't, you can't control what's going to happen tomorrow. 
You can't control that the Fed, right? They're, they're raising interest rates and maybe a, a full one point interest rate. You can't control that, but control what you can control. And when you put yourself in the locus of control, again, and that is about priorities. Get your priorities in order. You'll be in a place of peace. So don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Deal with what you have to deal with today. And then always remember that God loves you. You're his child. And he promises to meet your needs, not your greeds. And you can rest in that. All right, number four. Peace through inflow and outflow. So watch what, what happens here in Mark chapter 1, 35 to 38. It's a great lesson. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. That's Jesus. That's inflow. What did Jesus do? He goes and he spends time with his father, and he gets filled. He gets renewed spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, physically. And then Simon... <laughs> And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. <laughs> I just could imagine what Jesus, you know, oh my. Verse 38, he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for the purpose I have come forth. So what you see is there's inflow, right? He's with the Father. He's communing with the Father. The Father is filling him. The Father is renewing him emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, physically. And then there's outflow. Now he goes out and he just releases into the multitude. He preaches the word. He's healing people. But there needs to be inflow to have effective outflow. Now, I call this the law of the lake. Sitting on the Sea of Galilee many years ago, just noticing that you have this lake that's just filled with life. And it's fed from a river that comes from the north. And then it flows out into the Jordan River that flows to the south, which basically nourishes everything on its banks. And everything on the Jordan's banks is green in the midst of desert. So the concept here is you need, again, you need to have inflow. You need to experience inflow into your life, emotional inflow. You need to have people who are going to build you up, not people who are going to drain you. You need to have people who are going to fill you and encourage you. You need, you need to be filled and encouraged by the Lord spiritually. You need to have inflow physically. Good, healthy nutrition, exercise, diet. Not diet to lose. Healthy, healthy stuff. You know, the fruits and the vegetables and the good stuff. But you need, you need to experience that inflow into your life. And when you have healthy inflow, you're going to have healthy outflow because you can't give what you don't have. And if you don't have that inflow coming into your life, you burn out. If there's not inflow coming into the lake, the lake dries up. You see fish bones at the bottom of the lake. And if the lake is not flowing outward, the lake overflows its, its banks and it basically does damage to everything around it. So there needs to be just consistent inflow. You need to have inflow and then outflow. I want to share this, I want to share this story with you. I burned out a number of years ago here in the church when I was in my early 30s. I was ready to leave. Sammy, I think you were, you were here, Lenny. 
I, was, I mean, ready to leave. I'm not, I'm not done with this. this. The church was much smaller. We didn't have other you know, ministries extending out of the arms of the church. But I, just, I just was burned out. And um, I said, this, you know, building a church, man, just go back into business and go back into the fitness business. It's, it's easier. And I went to a John Maxwell seminar, John Maxwell, great leadership um, coach and trainer, pastor, down in Maryland. And um, John had Bill Hybels, and Bill has gotten himself in some really bad trouble the last few years. He's out of the ministry. But at the time, he was pastoring the largest church in America, 25,000 people. And um, so I go there, and I'm expecting to hear from Bill Hybels, and, and I expect it to be, you know, Bill Hybels, man, this guy, he's in physical shape. He's a spiritual giant. He's writing all these great books. And uh, great, great pastor. And I'm like, Bill is just going to help me to come out of this, this burnout that I'm experiencing. And Bill gets in front of the room, in front of about 600 pastors, and he breaks down and starts to cry. He really cries, balls. He didn't even start to talk about what he came to do. He just said, I am totally burned out. Now, he was in great physical shape. I was in really good physical shape. And he had a healthy marriage. Healthy marriage. Kids. Strong relationship with God. I had a strong relationship with God. But emotionally, you're giving all the time and people are coming. I used to do like 25 counseling sessions. I don't do a whole lot of counseling anymore. You got people in the church who are far better counselors than I am. But I, you know, just, you just, the people come and they drain you. You're pouring into them all the time, they're hurting, they're broken. And you're pouring into them, and you're pouring into them. I had nothing left emotionally. Spiritually, physically, I was okay. Emotionally, I was fried. I was burned out. And I learned a lesson at that point that it's great. My spiritual relationship with God is primary. Taking care of myself physically is very, very important. My relationships, though, you need to have people in your life who are going to speak into your life and build you up and encourage you. Pe- people who are going to just speaking life into you, you need to have relationships with those people. Thank you. Lenny, of late, thank you. You need to have people who are going to do that with you. And I didn't understand that. I understood the spiritual, I understood the physical. I did not understand the emotional. See, some of you guys here are talking to my son. He's a policeman. Policemen, you have a number of people here in, in healthcare and nurses, and some of you are doctors, and some of you are teachers. And you're pouring, you, you know what it is. You're pouring yourself, faith, you're a social worker. You're pouring yourself into people. You need to have that emotional renewal, that inflow of emotion, so that then you have something to give. I, I didn't have anything to give anymore. And it almost cost me the ministry. But that was a great moment when I saw Bill Hybels, and if I said, that guy, with what he's done, and I'm pastoring our you know, little church here at the time, it was a great lesson. All right, number five. Peace through avoidance. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 9 says, if a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. Do you, do you understand that? Like, when you're dealing with a fool... It don't matter what you say, they're a fool. So I'm going to tell you this little story. I'm going to, I cleaned it up for you. 
It's the story of a donkey, a tiger, and a lion. Honey, don't worry. I cleaned it up. I heard it for the first time a couple weeks ago. So the donkey and the tiger are talking. And the donkey says to the tiger, you see that grass? It's blue. And the tiger looks at the donkey and says, that grass isn't blue, it's green. And he says, no, 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 it's blue. And the tiger says, no, 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 it's green. So the donkey says, let's go talk to the lion, the king of the beasts, and see what he says. And so the tiger comes with the donkey, and they go before the lion. And the lion says, okay, you know, what's up, tiger and donkey? And uh, the donkey says, I'm telling the tiger that the grass is blue. And he says, it's green. What color is it? Lion, king of all beasts? And the lion looked at him and said, it's whatever you want it to be. And then the donkey looked at the tiger and said, see, I told you so. The grass is blue. And the donkey went off. And then the tiger looked at the lion and said, I don't understand why you told him that it's whatever he wants it to be. And the lion looked at the tiger and he said to him, it doesn't matter what I would have told him the color of the grass is. He's a fool. And a fool, it doesn't, it, why, you know, why are you wasting time, tiger, arguing with a fool? And then the lion looked at the tiger and said, and secondly, why are you wasting my time bringing this fool before me? So you know I changed the words. We allow these people to come into our life, and you may be allowing them to come into your life through the media, through your handheld device, Maybe they're, they're people that, that you have allowed to speak into your life. And they're fools. You ever meet fools? And you see them doing something that you... you I mean, it's so clearly wrong. It's destructive. It's harmful to them and to other people. And you try to bring that to their attention. And the fool, just they, they just mock you. The fool is so certain that what they're doing is the right way... I say, when you're with people like that, right, we're supposed to be loving, kind, compassionate, love, Jesus said, your neighbor as yourself. So when you're with people like that, don't walk away from them. Run away from them. <laughs> because you're, you're, you're not, you, listen, you look at Jesus at times. He did not want to be bothered with some people. Oh, well, who, 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 Pastor Frank? Well, the two brothers who came to him and said, we have a dispute. We're disputing over our inheritance. What did he say? Why are you bothering me with this? He's, he's the lion. Why have you come before me with this? And some Greeks wanted to come to Jesus. And Jesus, again, he didn't want to be bothered with them. Herod was trying to get Jesus before him continuously. He was after he was arrested. He didn't want to be bothered with him. I just said, there's some people that just, they're fools. And you let these people come into your life and they create chaos in your life. And let me tell you something. I don't have a problem avoiding people. I don't have a problem not wanting to be bothered with certain people because they just disturb you. 
And believe me, I will pour myself into people to help anybody who is humble, anybody who is honest, anybody who truly is seeking help. But the fool, they just make you crazy. I didn't understand that also early in my ministry. I used to avail myself to fools all the time, and they would just drain me. They would drain me. Last thing, last thing, peace through focus. We'll wrap up here. Peace through focus, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Oh, this is a little poem I wrote. Because I am a poet. If you look around, you'll get distracted. Ain't that true? If you look down, you'll get discouraged. If you look back, you'll get disappointed. If you look at where you are, you'll be discontented. I don't know about you, but I'm never, I'm never really happy where I'm at. I always feel like I need to be moving ahead. If you look out at the world, you'll be disturbed. If you look up, you'll get dizzy. But if you look at Jesus, you'll be at peace. The only place I have found in this world where I have peace is in the Prince of Peace. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. And my pastor, Charlie Rizzo, many years ago said to me, when I think when he saw me kind of getting caught up in a lot of church politics and things, he said, Fix your eyes upon Jesus. He said, That's the only place you're going to find where you experience peace. And I have not been able to find it anywhere else. I have found it in Jesus in these crazy crazy times in this crazy crazy world sometimes surrounded by crazy crazy people in him focused on him eyes fixed upon him there is peace and whenever there's unrest if I fix my eyes upon him that peace comes in the morning, I could wake up. If there's unrest and I have breakfast with him, the peace comes. As I'm going through the day, there are things happening. I just get with him, get quiet, fix my eyes upon him, and there's peace. I hope you all draw closer to the Prince of Peace. And may the peace of God, right, that transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, I pray a blessing, Lord God, upon all who are here today, my brothers and sisters, Lord, people visiting us, that the peace of the Lord would fill their hearts and they would learn, Lord God, to just live close to you, live near you, fix their eyes on you, and that peace, Lord God, would be in them always. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. The worship team will come up. Hey, folks, just, you could stand with me. Right after service today, I have a baby dedication here. And the family chose to dedicate the baby. They didn't want to do it in public. And by the way, that's an option you have. They didn't want them to be put on, out into the media. So that's something we can always do for you. And I think I'm actually at a point where I'm going to ask the families, when they dedicate a child, if they would um, like to have that segment of the service not shown and put out on YouTube. Just, again, crazy times with pedophiles and all this other nut, you know, crazy stuff going on. So we're going to do a dedication right after we finish with worship. And um, there's a bake sale there. 
So if you, you know, go out to the bake sale or if you go the other way, if you'd like to grab some food and eat it and have a cup of coffee, there's a, now a terrace on the back of the building, thanks to Len Savino. You can go out there and have a cup of coffee there. Or you can go into the Rock Center. But I need to clear out this, this, this sanctuary as quickly as possible, okay? Okay, stand with me. Hey, by the way, these flowers are for Kim. One flower is for Kim. Kim, we left you out. We're sorry. One of these bouquets are for you. Thank Diane. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. What a great word from the Lord. Amen? Yes. Give the Lord a praise offering. He alone is worthy, right? The altars are open for you. If you'd like to come up and spend a little quiet time with the Lord... We're going to sing a song about the earth being the Lord's footstool, the heavens his throne, him pouring out his mercy, because he is a great and awesome God, amen.
God the Father, Son, and Spirit go with you all. And may the Lord's peace dwell in your hearts, in your minds, in your homes. May the God of all peace truly reign in your hearts each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God will go with you all.